0: Welcome to another episode of Chan with the Plan the Podcast, a podcast providing career advice in easy, actual steps for frustrated professionals helping you overcome career challenges so you can stop feeling confused and defeated and start feeling focused and confident in order to excel in your career. And I'm your host, Max Chan. The pandemic that has occurred over the past two years has really changed the career direction of many professionals, whether it's by choice via the great resignation or because of layoffs due to COVID. Either or, The pandemic was a significant event that made a lot of professionals reflect on the current status of their career and a good portion of these professionals decided to take action. And that is the main theme of this week's episode, as I have brought on a guest to discuss how one significant event in her life caused her to reflect on her career and made her decide to pivot to a different field altogether. Her name is Dr. Rowena Winkler, And her father's passing in 2013 prompted her to reevaluate her stressful career trajectory and pivot from academia to the marketing industry. It was also during this time that she discovered her love for astrology, tarot, meditation, crystal healing, wellness, and realized her empathetic abilities could be used as a means for helping others. She now helps women ignite their sacred intuition so they can cultivate their true power and purpose. Now let's get into my discussion with Dr. Rowena Winkler on how her father's passing pushed her to make the career change that she so craved in order to have a more fulfilling life. Hi Rowena, welcome to the show.
1: So good to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for uh, coming on. And I wanted to bring you on to my podcast because you have a great career story that you want to share when it comes to having a trigger point that made you realize that what you wanted to do was not what you were doing right then and there. Then you took some self-reflection and created a strategy to get to where you want to go. But before we get to that, let's start from the beginning. Tell us a little bit about your background from an educational standpoint and what was your career journey prior to the big event in your life?
1: Sure. Hi, everyone. I am Dr. Rowena Winkler, and I have my bachelor's degree in communication studies from the College of New Jersey. So I am a New Jersey native, (laughs) and I got my master's degree and PhD in communication from the University of Maryland in College Park. So go Terps and Maryland is where I am today.
0: Great, when you graduated, like, what, what was your role? Like, what, what were you involved in?
1: Sure, so I originally actually wanted to be an education major. I wanted to teach math to elementary school kids, but when I first went to the College of New Jersey for undergrad, I realized there I had to be an education and a math double major. And I was not a fan of those upper-level math courses, so I decided to switch, and I switched to elementary education English, thinking that, okay, well, maybe I'll teach English. Something happened before I finally switched to communication, which is the area of expertise that I am today. I had a mental health scare situation where I essentially experienced a psychotic breakdown, Still, to this day, don't know what happened. I think I just wasn't taking care of myself, pulling all-nighters, doing the most without eating properly, sleeping properly, hydrating, all the things you need to do. And my body just gave out. And so I took medical leave the spring semester of my freshman year. As I built my strength, I rested, I started going to therapy. And that was my first instance of not taking my mental health for granted, which will then play into the story later when it comes to changing my career path. And so when I came back the next year of undergrad, I decided to be a communication major. And to this day, I remember one of my English professors saying, oh, so you're not a writer, you're you're a speaker. And that just sat with me. I don't know why. It was just, it's years later, but she said that. And I, even though I do love to write, I having opportunities like this to speak as well is very informative and has helped me process through a lot. And so after I graduated magna cum laude from the College of New Jersey, uh, a professor of mine encouraged me to go to graduate school. And so that's what brought me to the University of Maryland in College Park where I fully intended to just get my master's degree and perhaps do public relations for a theater company or some sort of thing that was tied to my interests. But when I got to UMD, I realized I really enjoy teaching and I really enjoy conducting research projects. And so I started looking at doctoral programs, applied to a couple of others, but decided to stay put at UMD, and I managed to finish my bachelor's, master's, and doctorate in less than 10 years. So I worked really hard and and hustled to get there. And so after I got my doctorate, I got my first tenure track position at Virginia Commonwealth University in Richmond. And I thought I was going to be a professor forever. I thought that I was going to teach PR, teach communication, teach social media to undergraduate students. But as we'll get to, I'm sure in the next part of this conversation, I had a triggering life event that made me realize some things that then moved me to take a pause and make a change.
0: Before we get to that, you you were talking about mental health and you had took a mental health break. Do you think like back when you were in school, Mental health was not as publicly talked about as it is now. So what's your thoughts on that in terms of how pu- mental health is more uh, publicized from in a good way where people are trying to encourage others to seek help compared to before uh, during your time in education where it wasn't as talked about and maybe potentially frowned upon?
1: generation by generation, we're getting better, right? So my parents' generation, it's not talked about at all. <laughs> you know, if anything, it's it's ignored or it's a taboo topic, mental health, there, or there's no such thing, right? There's no need for therapy, no need for medication, no need for any of these things. In, in my generation and when I was in school, I think that there may have been you know there there were counselors at the university and there were there were groups and communities where folks may be able to talk to each other about these things but I think you're absolutely right Max in that now in this generation and especially with TikTok and with Instagram there are a lot of conversations about, about mental health so I think we're making great strides in that but I think there's still more education that needs to be had. I was just talking to a friend yesterday about how our different mental health issues can manifest in different ways. My How I show my anxiety may be different from how how someone else does, or the way someone manifests ADHD may be different than someone else does. And then a lot of these instances, these issues are, are invisible, right? So I think that there's more work to be done but we've certainly made great strides from when i was in school
0: <laughs> so what's some advice you can give someone listening right now that has some mental struggles like what would you su- suggest them to do
1: i would say find help one way or the other i'm a huge fan of therapy and that mental health break in undergrad started me on a trajectory where i did therapy one-on-one. I was in group therapy and on and off to this day, I have an amazing therapist now. So I think having a professional there that can can hold space for you and have a container for you to talk through what you're going through. And I think there's a couple of things I want folks to understand. Just because you have a therapist doesn't necessarily mean there's something quote unquote wrong with you, right? There's nothing wrong. We all need someone to to hold space for us to figure things out because <laughs> as we're going to talk about things happen in our lives that aren't easy things happen in our lives that we do not expect whatsoever and so being able to have someone to bounce off of and talk through and so that we can emerge the other side and have some perspective on why some some of these more challenging things happen i think is super important and you know, just having some sort of support and care team in general, it doesn't necessarily have to be a therapist. It could, it could be, you know, for example, I have an acupuncturist that is also part of my care team. I have the support of my, my partner, my husband, who, who I talk to, I have really good friends. So make that, make that care team, because when you are in a situation where you're not feeling great, where whether it's depression or anxiety or or just you know feeling off. It's great to have someone that you can rely on or several someones to talk to to help you through it.
0: So just to close this part of the conversation off, what's the difference between like going to a therapist and talking to a good friend?
1: Well, I mean, a therapist is a professional, right? So they have the licensure, they have the education. So they, depending on the type of therapy that they they're practiced, in or have certifications and, and the credentials for, they have modalities and tools to help you through what you're going, what's, what's going on in your life that may be difficult or maybe challenging. A friend, you know, a friend knows you. That's the other thing, right? Your therapist can get to know you, but not on the same level as a friend can. So perhaps a friend has some insight Let's say, for example, talking to a therapist about an issue you having with your your partner. You know, the, my therapist doesn't know my partner that well, but a lot of my friends do. So they may have some perspective on what the other person's side of it is. So they, I think, they have more insight on your on your world in a way that perhaps someone. But sometimes that's good, right? To have someone that's outside of it that not invested that doesn't know the parties involved so that there can be more detachment there to give you that that feedback.
0: Good. And now let's move on to the main part of the conversation, the dramatic event in your life. So why don't you walk us through what happened and what was the uh, follow of it?
1: Yeah, sure. So when I was in my last couple of years of grad school My dad had to get a physical, I think it was for my mom's health insurance or whatnot. I think it was an annual physical. And they they found something. They found a, a little tumor. So he got a biopsy. And I remember I was home for spring break. And he got a phone call and found out it was cancer. And so my dad went through, he went through chemo. With several rounds of chemo, I remember that summer I came home and would go with him and my mom to Jefferson's uh, at in Philadelphia, and he would receive his chemo treatments. And things were looking okay, but then they got worse. So he did a couple of rounds of radiation, and uh, finally, in October of 2013, he he passed away from esophageal cancer, and this was my first semester at my new job as a professor. I remember I was about to teach a class actually. And my sister texted me asking if she, if I was free. And I just, I don't know. I just knew I had a sense something was wrong. And so when I asked her, she said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll talk to you later. And I just had a feeling. So I called my sister or she called me. I don't even remember that bit, but she told me that that dad had passed away. And so I found out and I, I just, you know, I told my students, I walked out, I I told the chair of my department and I got my things together and drove home. And one of the, I think one of the most amazing things uh, through that really hard event was one of the first people I called was one of my really, really good friends who, just so happens to now be my husband at the time. He wasn't my significant other, but I told him what happened and he said, what do you need? And I told him that I was going to drive through Maryland and I might need a bite to eat. And he gathered like 10 to 15 of my closest. I'm like getting emotional. Just thinking about it. He gathered 10 to 15 of my closest friends and they were all waiting for me for, for dinner. So that was really powerful. So I went, went home and, you know, I think I took a week or two off of work and that made me think really deeply about my life and my legacy and thinking about my dad and what do you leave behind? And at that point, I was so stressed at work. I, I had a feeling that maybe this wasn't the career path that I had anticipated. I wasn't enjoying really what I was doing anymore. It just wasn't the, right fit environment for me and so yeah I, I stuck it out for a couple more years but after year three I decided to leave I decided to walk away from academia for for a bit just to explore other things that may be more in alignment with with what I want to do.
0: <laughs> you said that you were you were only do you you had like one semester right that you' you're a professor for one semester when that happened?
1: So my, my dad passed away my first semester, but I ended up staying, I, I worked at this job for three years. So my dad died the first year, and then it took a little more time for me to to make the switch.
0: Okay, so you were saying you realized like when that happened in your first semester, first year, it wasn't the right path for you, but you kept going for two more years. So what made you hesitant to make a move right away and... Were you thinking that maybe I stick it out, uh, things will change? Or what What was your thinking at that point?
1: Sure. I mean, I think it was just the the fear of failure, right? That I had invested so much time, so much energy, so much money <laughs> into these degrees and into this education and the expectation that I would... Do what I quote unquote was supposed to do with these degrees, which is to be a tenure track faculty member. You know, I was a rock star of my department, so I think there was also a fear that there would be judgment or that I would let people down because at the time I was engaging in a lot of people pleasing tendencies. Right, that I wasn't I wasn't strong in and firm in advocating for myself. So I think the. The two more years was just me seeing if maybe things would change, and and they and they didn't.
0: What's your advice for people that are in a role they don't like, if they even started, mm-hmm. and they let's say they start for six months, they realize it might not be it, but they think that they're not putting enough time into it, maybe they'll stick it out and things will get better. So, what's your advice in terms of like evaluating whether it is the right opportunity or maybe this is actually not for me?
1: Yeah, so I I've spoken to my husband about this several times because this has happened in the trajectory of me trajectory of my entire career, not not just in this particular instance, but people don't tend to leave jobs. People tend to leave leadership, right? So just knowing that you have a great team to support you from your boss to your colleagues and I I firmly believe that culture fit is is really important, if not more so than the job itself. So just knowing that where, where you're working, that environment, that culture aligns with your own values. And I would say that especially now in 2022, that there are so many opportunities in terms of this gig economy where I don't think, you know, our my parents' generation, I mean gosh, my mom was a nurse at the same hospital for pretty much <laughs> most of my life, 30 plus years. But that's just not the case anymore. And especially in my industry and in communications, public relations, marketing, we bought from place to place every couple of years. So I don't I don't see that as a as necessarily a negative. And I know especially for young professionals starting out, if there's, you know, a one year here, a two year here in the resume, as long as you can back it up in your cover letter and in your interview materials and speak very clearly about the rationale why you moved on to another opportunity, I don't see that as a detriment.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, like people don't work at the same job, like for example, they they graduate and then they don't work till they retire at the same company. It just doesn't happen anymore. So like you're you're definitely more In today's side, you're definitely more welcome to like try different things and people won't frown upon it. So how did you develop the strategy, the plan to get out of academia to the role? And how did you discover that that was the role you wanted to go to as well?
1: A lot of it involved late night anxiety LinkedIn applies. (laughs) So, you know, like easy apply on LinkedIn so I would just be committed to every night before going to bed, just seeing what jobs were out there using the specific keywords that I was interested in, and then being and then just just applying, right? Just just applying. In addition to that, my amazing mentor, one of my mentors from undergrad, she helped me with this process because you. I don't know if you know this, Max, or if folks who are listening would know this, but. The CV is the academic resume. That's a, that homie is long. I think mine may have been 13 pages or whatnot. So that's not going to bode well when you send that to an employer or to a company. (laughs) Like they're not going to want to read a 13 page resume. So my mentor helped me translate this CV into my job materials. So a cover letter, resume. And it's funny because now in my coaching business, I do that same practice. I call it translate, you know, translate your CV. So that moment with my mentor is now one of the offerings I have in my current business. So I did that, you know, got clear on what skills I can can offer that, you know, may have sounded a certain way in higher ed, but actually translates to something appealing in the corporate environment. And I got my first job in the marketing and communications industry after working in the higher education system.
0: Was it hard to, like you said, that you wrote the resume to speak that language, right? Mm -hmm. So was it hard for you? Like, did you have a fear that you had to start over from the from the bottom, and then work your way back up. So what were some fears in terms of like, you spent all this time in academia, you you made a reputation for yourself, but then you realize that, okay, if I do start over in a different field, we'll have to start right at the bottom, make less salary and all that. So were there a lot of those fears? And how did you overcome those?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, my my best friend actually had a similar trajectory where we went straight through for from our bachelor's, master's, a PhD. And we'd have these conversations where on LinkedIn, for example, or Facebook, we see the the classmates we went to college with who are now you know managers and directors and whatnot and we're here trying to (laughs) figure things out and whether or not we should stay or go so absolutely there was definitely fears of well I'm so used to this environment can I even can I do a nine-to-five right because it as a professor it's very flexible in your schedule you can set your teaching times and whatnot versus a stricter or stricter nine to five. So that was definitely a fear—is just the change in structure and whether or not my experiences as a professor even make sense in a in a more corporate environment. For sure.
0: <laughs> did uh, recruiters look at your resume funny in a way where, like, you have you had your PhD at the time, right? Like it was done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did they look at as like oh like like what? Sorry, what, what role did you apply for? What was the title of the role when you first moved?
1: So my first role outside of higher ed was I was a communications writer. I was a copywriter, essentially. So I framed it up when I interviewed, right, that I have a lot of writing experience. You know, I wrote a dissertation. I write assignments for students. So it's a similar skill set. And the fact that I have a PhD means that I'm a quick study and that I can learn things (laughs) and have critical thinking skills. So, I started off as a copywriter writing copy for, you know, emails and blog posts and things of that nature on an in-house communications team for a company. And then what was what was great and what I tell my clients now is because I had that PhD and because I had those experiences, I was able to move up into a management role fairly quickly. So I didn't start, you know, I didn't start on the bottom. I think I might've been more mid-level at the start. And then I was able to rise into a managerial role within the first year or so. And I managed a small team of writers and that was a lot of fun. And then after that, I moved on to a digital marketing agency where I served as a marketing manager doing project management and doing more marketing-based campaigns and projects and working very closely with sales. So I got to see that side of the house as well, which was really fun.
0: It's it really brought that up in terms of like the PhD because people who have PhDs or even masters, they might think that they're overqualified, especially trying to pivot mm-hmm. to a, another industry or role. But yeah. you were able to communicate why the PhD is essential to your success in that role. And then you, like you said, you actually moved up faster because you had a lot of uh, educational experience.
1: Yeah, I was very motivated and I had a lot of enthusiasm and energy and I made it very clear that I I am interested in supervising folks because as a professor, I mentored students all of the time and I helped them with their career paths and I guided them. So I wanted to do something similar in a corporate environment.
0: Great. And what, what made your... I don't know if you touched upon this already, but like what made you decide that marketing communications was the right move to pivot your career out of education?
1: Higher education that, you know, there's a lot of hoops to jump through, you know, so there's a lot of layers and levels to, And so things move a, a little slower than I would have liked. I'm very, I'm very innovative and I have a lot of ideas and I, like to speak up in terms of how to make things better and how to make processes faster and how to streamline things. And so having the opportunity to translate that in a faster paced marketing communications environment where I can see the results of my work pretty quickly, almost instantly, right? It's it's very exciting. Obviously, as a professor, I was able to see the impact I've had on my students, and that was one of the things I really loved, and I still talk to a lot of my students, even now, years and years later, right? I've been out of it for almost 10 years, and I still keep in touch with a lot of my students. And so that, fortunately, that part hasn't gone away. So it's just nice. It's just been really nice to be in in spaces and environments where I can have the room to share ideas and see things happen. And more quickly
0: <laughs> when you said that you were going to leave uh, education w- what did they call like the, your manager in academia is it
1: a department chair I suppose? Oh, okay, yeah. department I
0: okay so like did the department chair was it the department chair shocked that you wanted to leave after three years or did they try to get you to stay to like rethink your decision like w- what was the process at that time
1: yeah it's funny max because at the time <laughs> i at the time i i framed it up as a personal situation where, cause at the time my husband was still in Maryland and I was in Virginia. So I, I mean, and I didn't lie. This was true. My husband did get a promotion at work. So I just said that I, that I wanted to move back to not be long distance with my, I don't even think we're married yet. I think he's my fiance at the time. So I said, you know, originally my husband was going to move down to Virginia when we got married, but plans have changed. I'm, you know, for, for personal reasons, I'm going to move back to Maryland. And there was a conversation about, well, could you still teach classes? This is pre COVID, right? So this was before there was more online courses and, you know, uh, digital learning and all that sort of thing. So it, it was, there were offers to try to make it work, but I don't know, for me, as I mentioned, when my dad passed that just kept, I just wanted a clean break and to figure out what was better for me and my family and my mental health.
0: So prior to your dad's passing, were you like mm-hmm. in, on autopilot? And then that traumatic event made you reflect and like snap out of it, so to speak, to evaluate what you actually want to do. And then after a couple of years, you finally made the move to make it happen? What was that the, the, the journey?
1: I think the journey was as an immigrant kid, especially much of my life was checking these boxes and performing and achieving, especially academically, and just you know doing all of these external validation things to make me feel that I'm contributing, that I'm valued, that I have worth. And it just got to the point where I didn't even really know what I wanted anymore, and that I needed to find time to figure out for myself inside what makes me happy and not what makes my family or makes other people around me, the the department chair, whoever, you know, I need to advocate for myself. So I think, yeah, to your point, Max, the autopilot was, okay, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to go for this award and then I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to get this degree and blah, da da. And then all of a sudden when my dad died, I was like, oh crap, what <laughs> what was this all for? Like. When we leave this earth, is everyone going to think about, oh, she had all these awards and all these things, or is it that I lived the most authentically empowered life, just loving what I was doing? You know.
0: Yeah, like like immigrant families, right? Like especially first yeah. generation college uh, graduates, like they want to like impress their or get validation for their parents, so they do like consulting, engineer, all that, and then a fair amount of them actually leave because they couldn't like take anymore because they're not true to themselves. Like you can only do the internal validation so much before it it eats at you, right? So what's some advice for people that, for like college graduates that are looking to land their first job, but they're not sure what to do. Like they want to do this because of like family validation, but they really want to Mm -hmm. do something else. What's your advice in that? Is it to like have a conversation with your family in terms of like what you actually want, even though there might be some conflict there? What what are your thoughts and advice on that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a tough conversation to have, especially as you know, first generation, you know, I'm first generation American, my parents came here from the Philippines. So that's a tough conversation to have. And quite honestly, I don't think I had the conversation. I just did it. (laughs) So I don't know if that's good advice. But here, listen, at the end of the day, it's your life, right? At the end of the day, the person that's going to be stressed out, that's going to be crying, that's going to be sick, that's going to be burnt out, that's going to be depressed, that's you, right? You're the one that's going to have to to deal with that and contend with that. And no one else is, is going to, I mean, people are going to care about you and think about you, but you're the one that's going to be living day to day in in your life. And your life is unique. You don't have No one else has the same life as you, Deuce. And if anything, especially now at the time of this recording, we're here and still dealing with COVID-19, you never know what's going to happen. So in my opinion, why waste time doing things for the expectations of others when you could just be happy and and if you're firm in your passion and belief on what you want to do that's going to get you so far that mindset is so helpful because if you're not if there's if you're not lit up by what you're doing then i think that's going to color the rest of of the experience for you in your life
0: yeah you have to be self-fulfilled with your own result because if you try to get external validation there's always something that they can nitpick right like the asian joke is like you got an a on the report card but they want an a plus right it's it's the same concept so it's more (laughs) about like like as long as you're satisfied with the result if they want if they're not giving you the validation you should be okay with that because it's what you wanted right from this transition like did you wish that you started earlier because you said like you did it for about three years so Looking back, did you wish you just started sooner to change your career path? or you think like staying the three years was the right move because it gave you enough time to process that? This is actually not for me.
1: I'm a firm believer. I don't like I don't like to have regrets on how things transpired or how things occurred the way that they did. I think the three years, as I mentioned, I had a therapist. One of the best therapists was the one I had down in Virginia. So, I think I was able to find the time to learn more about myself and this journey. In those 3 years, I was able to build some fantastic relationships and mentorships with with folks that would not have been the case if I had left after 1 year. I was able to gain some clarity in my my relationship with my now husband. So, you know, I, I don't I don't know if things would have I don't know if we would have had that space and clarity to figure things out because yeah, I think I think I think it was good. I think it was it was a good incubation time. And in the grand scheme of things, three years is not that long. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like in the in the whole trajectory of your life, the three years was it, it went by fairly quickly.
0: All right. So, what are you uh, doing now in terms of your career?
1: So now, and that I think this plays into your last question, uh, your your question before this. Max was now I'm integrating all the things that I do, and and I'm a coach. So I, as I mentioned, I help other graduate students or professors that may want to leave academia through that Translate Your CV process. So I do career coaching in that sense. I help folks with their LinkedIn profiles and their resumes. And I also integrate my marketing and communications experience to help other entrepreneurs, mostly in the wellness space or spiritual entrepreneurs who have a heart of service and want to do so much, but they don't have the knowledge and expertise in marketing and communications. Cause as you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to, a lot of uh, messages out there. So I help my clients get through the noise a bit and figure out their brand and their message and their, what, what that looks like so that they can show up and, and attract some clients. So it's fun. I, I now take these experiences and help other people in my own way. <laughs>
0: so what made you get into like entrepreneurship via coaching? What made you decide that this was the next move, not going to another uh, opportunity?
1: Yeah, so I actually, I've been wanting to be an entrepreneur for quite some time now. I, I actually just recently looked back at my notebook from my, that therapist I mentioned in Virginia, and there was notes about how to make an LLC and how to be a small business owner when I moved to Maryland. And I totally forgot that I had that conversation it was just, I think that same fear, that same fear of failure, that, that anxiety about the unknown. But speaking of triggering events, it was again, COVID-19, I think made a lot of us think about, Oh, what am I doing here? (laughs) What do I want to do? And then for me, the other huge milestone event was the birth of my, my daughter. I had my baby in 2020 and I realize again, like the legacy. When my dad left, I, I want a role model for her that if you want to do something, you should try it. Go for it. Why not?
0: Great. And thanks for sharing your career journey with us. What is one life or career lesson that you can provide for the people listening to this episode in terms of like how to get what they want in their career and in their life?
1: Ooh, I love this question. I would say, honestly, I mean, this is so cliche, but... Don't sweat the small stuff. I feel like <laughs> on this journey we went through, talking about my start in undergrad and all the grad school, I think there were so many moments, especially as a very type A anxious human. There were moments where I would ruminate a lot about things like not being a certain way or a conversation that didn't pan out the way I liked or a- an email that, you know, may have had a specific tone. When you think about it, like, do, you, do you even remember? Like I mentioned, I don't even remember this conversation I had with my therapist like years ago. So if in the grand scheme of things, you're not going to even care about it in a year, five years, maybe even like three months from now, because who knows what's going to happen? Don't expend energy getting all riled up about things that don't matter. Because again, when it comes to family and sickness and health and you know just being there for the people we love and showing up and in the best way possible you don't need to get all get all hype (laughs) or nothing
0: yeah like the the, the stuff that we think is a huge deal like it's not going to matter like a year from now like yeah 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 so like if if your boss has met you for like some work that you did, like a year from now, they probably won't even remember what work you're talking about if you bring it up, right? So yeah, I, yeah. I think like it goes back to like, we think things are more important than they are when if you give it to somebody else, they, they don't think it's a big deal.
1: Right, right. I think, yeah, I'm always here for a good reframe. So just reframing these experiences as, you know, just that you don't have to attach any emotion or any judgment to it. Just things just happen. So let's just Deal with it and then move it along.
0: <laughs> exactly. Again, I really appreciate your time. How can people uh, contact you to learn more about what you do and how you'd be able to help them?
1: Sure. So my website is com, and you can find me on all the social media at rbwinklerphd. And yeah, I'm looking forward to connecting with folks and helping you find your... Your purpose, or what have you.
0: <laughs> All right, sounds good. Again, thanks for the time. Thank you. Thank you again to Dr. Rowena for sharing her personal story of how her father's passing prompted her to reevaluate her stressful career trajectory and pivot from academia to the marketing industry to have a more fulfilling career. I truly believe that we all know when it's time to do something new with your career. However, not everybody acts on this. Sometimes it takes a significant event in your life to watch you to take action, but time is short. So if there is something that you want to do and explore, do what you need to do to make that happen because tomorrow is never guaranteed. If you want to hear my own thoughts and insights based on this episode, then make sure to check out ChanCap this coming Friday, available on all popular podcast platforms. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you are currently a professional looking to take your career to the next level, then come join my private Facebook group, Career Advice with Chan with a Plan. Inside this group, I post content on the job search and career advancement advice to help take your career to the next level. I will leave a link in the show notes for you to join. This is Chan with The Plan The Podcast. I'm your host, Max Chan, and I thank you for listening.